What's up, everyone? Welcome back to another Best Of. I'm your host, Ryan Satin. And for those of you who weren't able to listen to every podcast that I did this week, don't worry. I'm not too mad about it. I'm a little disappointed, but I'm not mad. Just disappointed. But I still got you covered. We got you every week here with a Best Of where I'm going to give you a taste of everything that was in the podcast feed, starting with this week's Raw Roundup. Next, Chad Gable and Otis talk about being sprayed with milk by Kurt Angle. The OC walked by laughing at something Carl Anderson posted while in Japan for New Japan's Wrestle Kingdom, where he's going to defend the Never Open Weight title, and it leads to a challenge for a match between Chad Gable and AJ Styles. Chad Gable versus AJ Styles was up next. It was a great sequence here where Gable hit two German suplexes and then AJ reversed the third and hit a drop something there. And AJ reversed the third and hit a Pele, but then Chad hit a third German suplex. Anyway, AJ wins this one with an awesome Styles clash that saw him do a rolling pin attempt and then roll backwards into the lifting setup for that Styles clash. Once again, I saw someone else say it too. I think people are catching on. Chad Gable is the MVP of 2022. Guy is just match after match after match after match after match. And they're all impressive. Some are different styles. Some are different uh, vibes. But at the end of the day, he's wrestling great matches consistently for months on end. you got to give the guy credit. Of course, AJ Styles, no slouch in this one. And he's the one that won. But I just can't help but feel like Chad Gable deserves some sort of credit for the work he's done this year. He's been that, you know, I think he should be the workhorse of the year. The guy, uh, I don't know if that's the right term. Maybe, yeah, it is the thing. I don't know. You guys tell me which thing the right term is. I'm tired. My voice hurts. (sighs) How about you tell me once what you think? How about that? I'm just going to sit here in silence and you in your car or in your wherever you are, you tell me. Okay, did you get it out? All right, let's move on. Uh, Gargano and Dexter Loomis chat backstage about what to do with all the money Loomis won last week. Loomis won last week. That was hard to say. Loomis won last week. Loomis won last week. There we go. Uh, Candice, Candice LeRae approaches them saying that she has a match later. They have everything they need, so maybe they should give some of that money away. Worth noting that in the background, Nikki Cross continued to lurk while spying on Candice LeRae. Uh, she also, Nikki Cross, I'm take a sip of this water and hold on one second. Apologies for that. Uh, Nikki Cross, she also posted this video on social media where she's like talking to a drawing backstage that she's like drawn on the wall in shock. And there's two dates on the the drawing that are worth noting. I saw um, at wrestling covers pointed this out on social media. Draven said, uh, Nikki cross with another possible sanity tease. The new drawings have 10, 12, 2016, which was sanity's debut and 11-21-18 was when she had a match with Candice in NXT. I was wondering, with what they're building here, we keep seeing in the background, we keep seeing Nikki Cross basically stalking Candice LeRae. I'm wondering if the reason 
we're still getting so much Gargano and Loomis stuff together, and they want to um, they want to make sure on television that you know that Gargano and Candice are married now. Um, they're really leaning into all of that, while each time in the background, Nikki Cross is lurking. I'm wondering if the next feud after the Gargano and Loomis versus Miz stuff is going to be Sanity versus The Way, or whatever The Way is now. Johnny Gargano, Candice LeRae, and Dexter Loomis. And we get three members of Sanity back. Because there's already been rumors that Eric Young is on his way back, former member of Sanity. And it wouldn't surprise me to see Nikki Cross's husband come back either. So, Killian Dane. So, I would like to see that. Um, and I like if that's what's going on, that it's being set up in the background, similar to her original turn back into Nikki Cross. You kind of kept seeing things in the background until it finally boiled over on screen. I feel like that's what we're getting with all this Nikki Cross stuff. After that, Kathy Kelly interviews the Street Profits and Akira Tozawa in Gorilla. Montez says they came to Tozawa's aid last week because he's Akira damn Tozawa. Then Dawkins says Tozawa is their ninja. Tozawa says he wants the smoke, then downs his cup, tears it apart, and hits the ring for Street Profits and Akira Tozawa versus Judgment Day. At one point in the match, Priest hit a pounce on Montez Ford outside of the ring that sent him flying over the announce table. Tozawa also got fired up near the end of the match and hit an awesome-looking running dive outside of the ring on Dominic then a spinning DDT on Balor, and then one more move on Dominic. Tozawa then rushed to the top rope, but Priest was able to get him up for the razor's edge just by standing on the apron. Uh, it lacked, this looked cool to me because he's on the apron. He pulls him off just while standing on the apron is able to hit the razor's edge just while standing on the apron. Shows just how big of a dude he is. Shows how strong he is. And honestly, I felt like even though this match might not necessarily have been meant to be a showcase for Damian Priest. I felt like he came out of this one looking the best. Felt like he really made an impact in this one. It's a very cliche term there, but you know, like I felt like he really he looked so imposing in this match. And the way he was doing stuff, the the, the crispness of everything, the, the the way he was connecting with stuff, it just looked so impactful. That's the word I meant. That's 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 the cliche, but used correctly. Uh, I, I it felt like it was very everything he was doing just felt impactful, and it and it felt tough, and it made you want to see him beat up more people. Uh, I, I you know, and similarly, you can say what you want about Dominic. And, and and believe me, I see what everyone says on social media and stuff. Uh, say what you will about Dominic, but man, it is amazing to see the heat this guy has. When he tags into those matches, the place goes berserk booing him. They hate him. They hate him, it seems like. Little Dom... We grew up watching Little Dom all these years, and it's amazing that he has that much heat with the audience. It truly is impressive to me. All right, next, here's a portion of this week's interview on Out of Character. How much of your real true self is there in the character that you play on TV? 
Well, so the one now I feel like is 100% me. Uh, uh, maybe, let's, do we say 100%? I don't know if it can ever be 100% just because it's kind of uh, amped up a little bit. And in real life, you know, I'm not running around uh, at level 120 all the time. But uh, I think majority of it at this current moment is me. But, uh, you know, what's funny is when I did the, uh, I was doing the Nigerian character and I was, uh, you know, I went back in touch with my roots and everything. Even though I had the accent, I feel like that was a lot of me as well. Because when I was younger, I remember, you know, my, my parents are actually both Nigerian. And I just remember growing up with uh, some of my friends, my brothers and sisters, uh, the other friends who had Nigerian parents as well, we'd always kind of um, just, you know, throw that accent on just to kind of uh, not really poke fun at them, but it was just something that we did. So I feel like that was a lot of, once I got comfortable in that character, I felt like a lot of that character was me as well. So um, it, it's funny how that works. Even though I was, you know, playing somebody else on TV, I still felt very connected to that. Well, I mean, of course, you're going to have to. But it is interesting to hear you say that you kind of feel like both of them were extensions of you, considering there's such a stark difference between the two yeah. characters that you're portraying. Yeah, uh, it's, uh, it's it's funny how that works. And I feel like, uh, from what I understand, I feel like when you when you are playing a character on TV, you're either going to be so far you know, detached from that character or it's going to be something that's so close to you. And I felt like I was able to find something within that that was very close, very relatable. And I think it was just because I was like, okay, you know what, at the end of the day, what I'm doing here is I'm kind of just uh, uh, being what I did, doing what I did in, with my friends growing up, just in front of, you know, millions of people or whatnot. But uh, it was, uh, it took some getting used to. And, and once I found that comfort, it actually helped me. What I realized after the fact, after I did that character and I started uh, kind of doing some promos in my normal accent, I realized that it actually helped me find my voice. And I, I learned that I wasn't putting on uh, um, before the doing the accent, I'd always kind of put on like this deeper voice that really wasn't mine. And I'm trying to like sound a certain way that I thought might be cool or that I thought was uh, what I need, what it needed to be. But it kind of helped me find my voice and helped me understand that I just need to talk like myself. I don't need to put on another voice. Like I don't need to make my, my voice deeper or try to be something that I'm not. So it, it kind of, it, in a weird way, it helped me become a better performer and, and kind of find my voice and kind of find, figure out who I, who I am as a performer. Well, that's interesting that you say that because when I was prepping for this and I was looking through your Instagram, you know, your social media, reading stuff about yeah. you, you had posted one thing not that long ago that I thought was interesting about your kids. You said, it's crucial for me to show my kids that they have to try new things and step outside their comfort zone. And I feel like Absolutely. that's really something that's really what you had to do at work yeah. on, on the, with a ginormous audience watching you and i think that i'm I'm sure at first it felt a little silly because it was not natural to you but i but i think (laughs) that once you can break through that like i feel silly doing this on tv thing i think it does kind of free you as a performer to kind of like find your voice more absolutely and you know what i think what it broke down to was a lot of the feedback that you get from social media right where you see um a lot of uh people saying this or that whether it's negative or positive and you kind of uh as much as people say they kind of don't care about these things those things kind of affect you in a way, but it helped me grow and understand that what these people say really doesn't matter, right? So when, when the idea was presented of, uh, you know, going, getting back in touch with my roots, it's funny because I was talking to Big E one day was when we were kind of going into uh, the WrestleMania program. And uh, he said, you know, what would be, I think it would be cool is if you kind of brought a lot of your, your any, any type of your African heritage on the TV, because at that time there really wasn't any African representation. 
And since then, there's been, you know, Omas, of course, um, that's, you know, also representing uh, Africa as well. But I told E, I said, I, you know what? I would love to do that, but I know the first thing that they're going to want me to do is is, is have an accent. <laughs> and then when that idea was presented, I heard the first thing that came back was, is he going to have an accent? You know, and I was like, geez, why is that the first thing that comes to anybody's mind when talking about playing a uh, an, an African character or anything like that? But I was, you know, this is my job. If I'm going to do this, I'm going to do it to the absolute best of my ability. And that's what I felt like I did. Uh, and I wanted to be respectable with it. You know what I mean? I didn't know what the the feedback would be. It's like, here's this guy who, you know, isn't really all that in touch with his roots, who doesn't know too much about um, his actual heritage, portraying a character that may not be uh, seen in a, in a positive light to a lot of African people or Nigerian people. So uh, dealing with that was kind of, um, uh, you know, that was a whole little issue in itself. But again, at the end of the day, this is a job and uh, I was gonna do the best job that I can and make sure that I was able to bring this life, this character to life. Well, I'm interested in that, you know, as someone who lately, I've really been looking at my roots of being like, you know, I didn't really pay attention to my roots. Like, I know yeah. these names, I know where I'm from, but like, I've been here in the now and, and on a personal level, I've been trying to like, look through generational patterns and be like, is this just things yeah. that have been passed down through generations? And like, why <laughs> am I just a, a you know, um, you know, the product of all these generational things, you know, or am I right, my own right. person? But I wonder, you know, with you, with you mentioning that, did it kind of force you to look at your roots more and kind of go back and, and, and see more of like who you are and where you come from? Absolutely. And that was the thing. I remember uh, I was messaging my dad, like on a regular basis and my mom just asking him any kind of details that they could give me about uh, anything that could help with this, with this character. Lastly, here's a portion of the SmackDown Roundup. The Bloodline, oh, shown backstage with a spiffy-looking Sami Zayn, who's been trimmed up and had his hair done. Sami acts nervous, and when he leaves, Jay says he thinks Roman is planning to make Sami an actual ooze tonight, no longer honorary. <clears throat> Jimmy asks if he's sure about that. It makes it seem like Roman hasn't exactly confirmed he plans to do that because he's still unhappy about Kevin Owens. Jay says it's going to be a great night. Don't worry. Yeah, it is going to be a great night. Don't worry. But we're not there yet. There, there's a lot to come still. Uh, next, we get an update on LA Night after the Bray Wyatt situation. Uh, and there's some footage shown of LA Night tied up backstage. After last week, Uncle Howdy sings to L.A. Knight and finally reveals himself before shutting off the camera. So now we fast forward to this week and L.A. Knight is shown angrily walking through the halls while looking over his shoulder. And after the break, he says no matter what has happened, he's still knocking on Bray Wyatt's door. Says Bray Wyatt is a former WWE champion with one of the biggest returns of all time. Yet all he's done since returning is dress like a circus freak and say a bunch of gobbledygook that doesn't get to the point. <laughs> I know the... I feel like Bray Wyatt's a fairly polarizing character, it seems, on social media. And I had a, I feel that line really made the people who don't like Bray Wyatt happy because that's the kind of stuff they say about him, the gobbledygook that doesn't get to the point. But we got a little closer to it tonight because 
LA, LA Knight says that he knows it was Bray Wyatt under the mask, not Uncle Howdy. And he needs him to put on whatever mask or whatever costume he needs to put on so he can walk to the ring and get stomped out. The lights then go out, and Bray Wyatt made his entrance while saying, yeah, 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 in tribute to the late Brody Lee on his birthday. Really cool to see him finally get to pay some tribute as much as possible to his late friend, the late Luke Harper. Wyatt said he was sick of the game that that they are playing and he knows he doesn't believe him, but he's barking up the wrong tree because he isn't the one who touched L.A. Knight. Then when Wyatt gets into the ring, L.A. Knight goes on the attack, but Uncle Howdy interrupts saying, Little Pig, what have you done? He then asks, you want to see, he then asks if L.A. Knight wants to see something really scary and different music starts to play. Uncle Howdy then makes his entrance on the stage, causing L.A. Knight to dip from the ring as Howdy laughed and Wyatt looked kind of freaked out. All right, let's talk about this a little bit. Let's talk about this just a little bit. Uh, Okay, so I loved this. I felt like L.A. Knight has done a fantastic job of stepping up to the plate, making himself look like a tough dude who isn't backing down from all of this craziness, even though he finally had to do so at the end of all of this. But when he came out and he was still calling out Bray Wyatt, wanting to come out to stomp him, I'm still standing, all that stuff. To me, I go, look at that's a guy. Like, that's a tough dude. That guy is someone that fans can get behind. Because it doesn't make him look like a wuss. It makes him look like he wants to fight a WWE champion, even with all the head games being played. So, LA Knight really has stepped up to the plate when it comes to this feud. Um I tweeted this, and this is kind of how I feel about this segment. I feel like the people who enjoy Bray Wyatt and are fans of Bray Wyatt loved this like I did. Uh, I think that the people who don't like Bray Wyatt necessarily or don't enjoy his storylines are going to be very vocally against this segment. They're going to say, oh, this is the exact kind of stuff we don't like. But I think, like, cinematic storylines like this are interesting like they keep intrigue going they they are the kind of thing that i want to see on weekly episodic television you know we talk about how someone like a bray wyatt excuse me we talk about someone like a roman reigns when he wrestles as an attraction you can make bray wyatt into that too i mean that's kind of what we're getting here i think that the fact that he hasn't wrestled yet since coming back shows that they're making his matches an attraction um they're they're making them count um, they're putting thought into them. They're, 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 it's not just, you know, every week he's going to be putting on bangers. He's going to have these episodic stories that are unraveling and eventually lead to matches, it seems. And I like that. I'm into that. I do, <laughs> I do believe that even though we saw a person standing there as Uncle Howdy, I I mean, I still don't think that Uncle Howdy is going to be someone else or we're going to have a reveal and it's Bo Dallas or something like that. I do still think this is all going to be people like like a multiple personality type vibe. I don't know that. I definitely don't know that. I have no inside info. But that was what I had felt in watching this. But I mean, obviously with someone coming out now that could change. I mean, there's a second person there. 
But yeah, I really, I was intrigued by this. And that's really what I want. Like, it's one of those things, like I say, like, you want to, you want something that makes you want to watch next week. And this makes me want to watch next week. I want to see what the heck is going on here. I want to see where this is leading towards. I almost felt like someone else was about to come out, too. I feel like now that Uncle Howdy has appeared in the flesh of some sort, that we might see some other personalities spring up. I'm not sure. But really, like, ultimately, I just like that we got... A, a a real, you know, new layer to this. That's what I had been waiting for. I felt like I had been wanting a new layer, and and we kind of got that tonight with the reveal of Uncle Howdy in the flesh. Next, Ricochet versus Gunther for the Intercontinental Championship. Wait, you know what? Before I get to that match, I'm gonna do a quick commercial break so I can pound this water, and uh, and then we'll get back to the rest of this week's episode of SmackDown. All right, like I said, Ricochet versus Gunther for the Intercontinental Championship. Woo! 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 What a match. These guys are so good. God, these two are so good. Gunther is just on fire. Hasn't had a bad match since being on the main roster. Ricochet killing it in the Triple H era. So good. Love that we get to see matches like this on SmackDown now. This is what wrestling fans want to see in 2022, 23. It's about to be 23. So this is what the current wrestling fan wants to see. That's a better way of wording it. This is what the modern day wrestling fan wants to see. I mean, the the combination of these two, the reason I like it so much is because I've said it in the past, when I'm watching Pro wrestling, I really like when it feels like it's a uh, a battle of two different styles to see whose style is better to a degree, you know. And and you got this this heavy hitter versus this high flyer, and you could see it on display the whole time. Walter is just chopping him and chopping him and beating him and hitting him and and forearming him and clubbing him and and slamming him, and you can just feel. Every single hit, every single pound, you could feel it. You could feel the pressure getting to Ricochet as he's beaten down punch by punch by punch. And then he comes back. And you feel Ricochet's speed. So much speed being brought ahead. You know, just just flying off the top rope, flying over the rope, drop kick, this, that. You know, and he and he's just... He's like a little lightning bolt just all over the ring. And you see this clash of styles. And you see this battle for 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 for, for supremacy in their styles. Style supremacy. And and it's so cool to like watch that clash happen like a real fight. Like it felt authentic. It felt real. Like you like. Yes, these guys are using ridiculous moves like moonsaults and 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 you know emerald flosions that you would never use in a real fight. Yet somehow it felt so real with the story they were telling in the ring. 
And that's when you can get caught up in that, when you can get sucked into it, when you can get lost in the story being told through physicality, that's when pro wrestling is at its best. So I really, really enjoyed this match. Uh, you know, Ricochet mounted a little bit of a comeback near the end and eventually brought that speed, like I was saying. Gunther tries to fight back. He hits that, he tries to hit a German suplex on Ricochet from the top rope. Ricochet flips out of it. Then he still hits him with a running boot and a massive clothesline for a two count. Then Ricochet somehow fought back from that and connected with a brain buster and shooting star press combo in a row. Still couldn't get the three count. They then traded shots after that, and Gunther eventually chopped him out of midair, then hit his new finisher, the last symphony, for the win. So good. Like, these two guys, so good. Like, the fact that we haven't been getting matches like this for longer is, is a bummer because, like, Ricochet is so talented. You know, when he does stuff like land on his feet after being tossed from the top rope, you're just like, God, this guy is like a real-life Superman, like, or excuse me, Spider-Man, where he's just flipping around, landing on his feet, whatever. It's awesome. Uh, and I think that with this match, no one came out of this looking bad. Like, yeah, Ricochet didn't win the Intercontinental Championship, but man, he came out of this match looking like a million bucks still. So, great, great, great match between these two. Next, Jimmy Uso joins Roman in his locker room. Sorry about that. And asks what he has planned tonight. Roman plays coy. And Jimmy says he's cool with whatever Roman has planned for Sami Zayn. He, uh, Roman then instructs Paul to call Adam Pierce. And after the break, he joins them in the Bloodline locker room. Paul then proposes the idea of Roman Reigns and Sami Zayn versus Kevin Owens and a partner of his choosing. Pierce proposes this for the Royal Rumble. What Paul says, it should happen on Fox, on SmackDown, live on the December 30th edition of the show. Hmm. Did Cena senses get tingling at that point? Because mine did. I'm guessing if you watched this, or if you're listening to this, you already watched this show, so I'm not spoiling it too much. But my Cena senses were immediately tingling here. There's so much history with Cena and Roman. There's Cena and Kevin Owens history. There's Cena and Sammy history. Full circle. All right, that's it. I'm done. Officially tapping out for now. Before I get out of here, make sure that you subscribe to this podcast feed. If you enjoyed this little taste of the roundups, you'll get full Raw and SmackDown roundups every week so make sure you subscribe to this podcast feed and check those out i put a lot of work into them so i hope that you're enjoying them and if you are enjoying them make sure you leave a review on whatever podcast platform you're listening on i think you can only leave an actual review on apple podcast but leave a, a rating on spotify just let people know you like this show please i want more people to listen to it <laughs> Also, make sure that you subscribe to the WWE on Fox YouTube channel. That's where you can find Out of Character every Wednesday on video. So go subscribe to the WWE on Fox YouTube channel. There's also clips from Raw SmackDown there. There's clips from Out of Character. There's YouTube shorts. There's a community tab. Everything that you would want out of a YouTube channel in wrestling is there 
on the WWE on Fox YouTube channel. So go make sure you subscribe and also follow WWE on Fox on social media, Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, TikTok. We're on all of them. So make sure you are following us there. All right. You go have a great Sunday and we'll be back Monday tomorrow to talk about Monday Night Raw once over.